Now, if it's okay with you, I'm not going to stand behind the pulpit because I have way too much bounty energy to do that. And I came from a, uh, a church in St. Louis that nobody has ever heard of the town called Florissant, Missouri. But let me ask you this. Have you ever heard of Ferguson, Missouri? Next town over. Same neighborhood, same everything, same street. And that's where I came from. We had a very high church. We processed in the cross every Sunday. We did all those types of things. This is the second time I have worn my alb since I left that church. The other time was Friday when I got installed as pastor at Pine Ridge Reconciliation Center. And, but on Pentecost, it is such a cool day. Because I see the Holy Spirit living throughout my journey. I'm a third, maybe fourth career pastor. I came out of school as a trained as an engineer. I used to build nuclear power plants. Yes, I have a glowing personality, okay? <laughs> I then moved into industrial positions, eventually moving into industrial sales. And then I felt the call. I had been a youth director for a number of years as a volunteer, and I felt the call to do it full time. And somebody asked me at that point, so when are you going to become a pastor? And I laughed and said, never, that's not me. I'm not worthy of being a pastor. See, I was never a Jonah. I never ran away because I didn't want to go to the people that God was sending me to. I was a Peter that didn't think he was good enough. And then one day, at the church I was serving at, we had an ordination. And I sat there and said, huh, I could do this. And that afternoon, my now wife came over to my house, and I'm in the pool, and if you've ever had a, grub, a, a swimming pool, you know you spend most of your time cleaning it. And I was cleaning this pool, and my wife's sitting on the, uh, the edge with her feet dangling in the water, and she looks at me. She goes, so when you get ordained, do you think Kevin will play at your ordination? I looked at her. I said, what did you say? She goes, you're going to get ordained someday. I know it. And that was the beginning of my call. That was the beginning of the Spirit pushing me toward this role. In my 40s, I entered seminary. In 2018, I came to Pine Ridge Reconciliation Center for a class. In full honesty, full transparency, full disclosure, whatever terms you want to use, I chose Pine Ridge because it met the requirement for cross-cultural, it was cheap, and it was short. Little did I know that my plans just made God laugh. I fell in love with the place. Has anybody here been to the Pine Ridge Reconciliation Center? Not to Pine Ridge, but to the center. Yay! We need to get more of you down there. Because it's incredible what we do there. I fell in love with the place, and I told Pastor Kay that I would be back. She told me later that everybody says that, but nobody comes back. In 2019, I brought a group of 10 middle school girls. Me in a van with 10 middle school girls. <laughs> I had two adult females that somehow worked out to be in the other car by themselves the whole trip out. Something about being moms, I don't know. 
But it was during my visit to, to Pine Ridge in March of 2019 that Pastor Karen said, would you ever consider a call here? And I said, I would consider it, you know. And So that night I called my wife and I jokingly said, honey, do you want to move to South Dakota? And her response was, when do we go? And I said, no, 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 no. This is not the South Dakota you visited with me three years ago. This is a different South Dakota. And I made her come out to see what we were going to be dealing with. Because Pine Ridge is different. I drove here today looking at the beautiful green hills, saw the fog rising in some of the valleys, and realized I was level with clouds at points. But Pine Ridge was given to the native people exactly because it was not good land. The Pine Ridge Reservation started as, honestly, a prisoner of war camp. And it wasn't until the 1900s that they, or 19th century, that they changed the name to reservation because they realized it sounded bad. The land that the native people have been given is not the top land in the state. And it is really hard to make a living. On top of that, the policies of the United States government were to destroy the Indian and save the man. The boarding school era was fully to take away everything native. It wasn't until 1978 that they were allowed to practice their own religious practices. I want to point out that one of the largest groups of people pushing to get that law passed was the Lutheran churches. We partnered with our Methodist friends, our Episcopal friends, and yes, even the Catholic friends to get that law passed so that in a country built on the foundation of the freedom of religion, the native people could practice their own religion. In Pine Ridge, we deal with a higher rate of everything. Diabetes is ridiculous, ridiculously high. Homelessness is just out the door, though until last year, and we'll get to this in a second, until last year, the state of South Dakota denied there was a homeless problem on the reservation. The scary part is the tribe denied there was a homeless issue on the reservation. See, by HUD definitions, homelessness meant you lived on the streets underneath a viaduct or, or in a homeless shelter. And Pine Ridge did not have any homeless shelters. And there weren't that many people living on the streets. And if you would ask most people, they would tell you, no, they are not homeless. But having 20 people live in a three-bedroom, one-bath house means somebody's homeless. See, overcrowding in houses is how they take care of each other. They don't wait around for others to help out. They will take care of each other. A good friend of mine, Lisa, has three different family generations living in her house. 
because they have nowhere else to go. So about a year ago, the Pine Ridge Reconciliation Center was granted $508,000 from the state of South Dakota through the HUD Department of Housing to address homelessness in Pine Ridge. We help them to understand the definition of homelessness is different. We help the local people understand they are different. And on December 31st, working with some partners, we took over our operation of the homeless shelters from the tribe. Through the winter, I don't know if you guys remember December 31st, New Year's Eve was not a night to celebrate because it was ugly cold. It was 25 below actual temperature in Pine Ridge. And we took over the shelter operation so people had a warm, safe place to go. We opened up the Reconciliation Center to be a day shelter. We became where the homeless people could come to take showers, to do laundry, to get a meal, to have a chance to talk. But we did not stop with making sure people were safe. Working again with partners, we did alcohol assessments, drug assessments. We helped people understand what it took to get the IDs they need to get the help they need. If you're a 20-year-old girl who has never had anybody tell you how to get your tribal ID, how do you know to do it? We did this. We had 150 different people come through the homeless shelter throughout the winter. And every one of them that was looking for a chance to better, better their lives was given it. We sent multiple people off to rehab. We arranged for jobs for other people. We were able to take 15 families and give them permanent homes. Now, not all of them went through the shelter system because some of them were living with relatives. But we put 15 families, 45 people in regular homes, and we're not done yet. Each week, we feed 130 kids through our kids' ministry. It is the one time a week for some of these kids that they get a hot meal when they're not in school. It is the one place they know they can go and be safe. And one of the coolest things to me is all of them, when they get to come to our building, say they are going to church. They associate the idea of church with being safe, with being fed, with being wanted and loved. I think it was last fall I came up here with my truck and I picked up a bunch of the hygiene kits that you folks made in the God's Work Our Hands Sunday, the big service Sunday. They're all gone. They've been used. We gave out over 600 hygiene kits this winter. We gave out well over 500 quilts. I have more in my truck now and I just got back from a trip to Minnesota and Iowa where they loaded up my truck with blankets. Because it may be summer, I'm still waiting for the warmth, 
But when you have nowhere to go and it's cold at night, you need a blanket. We currently feed roughly 60 people a day out the door of the center. We hand out diapers, and I understand there's a couple cases waiting for me, and I thank you because we are low. We hand out diapers in packs of 10. But the other day I gave out a whole case. A lady came to me from a reference from a friend of mine. Her youngest kid is 10, and she was just asked to take care of two twin eight-month-olds. So I said, giving you 10 diapers is not even going to get you through the night. So I gave her a case. This is what they do. Now, I think it's really cool because it is Pentecost Sunday, and we are talking about the work of the Holy Spirit. Briefly, my story. You heard part of it, how I got out here. And my wife came with me last, that October and fell in love with the place and wanted to do more. And so we started to think this is going to happen. And I had started to talk to the South Dakota Synod people in January of 2020 with the intent of taking over June 1st. And then this weird thing happened on March. I don't know if anybody knows about it. And things got pushed back. But I see the Holy Spirit using me throughout this process. See, when I entered seminary, my wife and I talked that she would be able to retire from teaching when I graduated. So we could trust the Spirit to take us wherever we, what the Spirit wanted us to go. And then life gets in the way. I'm getting ready to graduate, and I, find, I realize that I have three kids living at home all going to school. I'll go into college. And then my local church, the church I had did my internship site at, asked if I would consider a call there. And the bishop agreed to it. And so we took it. So I spent four years at my internship site. No, I wasn't an intern for four years. <laughs> uh, but I went from Vicar Dan to Pastor Dan. And then I realized why the Spirit brought me there. They were so upside down in their budget, they didn't even know it. They had lost track of how to do things because whenever they financially got into trouble, one person would write a large check. We're talking $100,000 check to get them out of a problem. But that wasn't going to last, and I had to help them get into reality. So while I'm dealing with them, the Spirit's pushing me to Pine Ridge. It was like the Spirit was closing the door where I was at and opening up the possibilities at Pine Ridge. So I told my wife, remember how we talked when we started seminary that we were going to go where the Spirit sent us? I said, I think the Spirit just detoured us before he sent us out. And so I arrived in Pine Ridge July 8th of 2020. Nothing has been the same since. We have changed our focus. But we are serving the people of God each and every day. Now, I can tell stories all day long, and 
And um, I'll stop soon. I've got one more story to tell you because we do get the gospel message through. I am a Lutheran pastor running a Lutheran ministry, preaching in a Presbyterian church and living in an Episcopal house. <laughs> and our partnerships are what helps us keep going. The Episcopals help us in a lot of ways. The Presbyterian people have been awesome to work with because the need is so great. Last year, we had a large, large donation come in. It was anonymous. So I, sent a, I created a video to thank these donors that I was able to send to the person who facilitated it, the generosity group. And so I went to all my staff members that would do more than just look at the camera and do this. The ones that would talk, I said, I just need you to say thank you, and if you can talk about what this meant to you. And I have this one lady that works for me. Her name is Jamie. Well, I'll only tell you her name because she's on the video, so if you want to go to my website, you can watch the whole video. But I asked Jamie, I said, just tell me what the center means to you. She had been working for us for about two months at that point. So I'm standing there, I got my camera set up on a tripod to record her, and I step back, and she starts talking. And I had to sit down. See, Jamie went on to tell me that the biggest thing that the center means to her is we feed people, and that is so important. That hunger is a major issue on the reservation. She went on to say that her 12-year-old nephew had killed himself the October before because there was not enough food in the house. She went on to say how the center feeds people, and we don't ask any favors or anything out of people when we feed them. She goes, in fact, there have been times that I have not had enough food at my house and those are the times it seems that the spirit is working because we had extra food from kids programming, and so Jamie was able to take it home. The scary part is she said this so matter-of-factly. She talked about her nephew dying like it was a common occurrence, because sadly it is. The suicide rate in Pine Ridge is three times the national average. I sat down and, and caught my breath after Jamie talked, now, this is in the height of the pandemic. I said, Jamie, you look like you need a hug. She goes, I do. I said, is it okay if I give you a hug? And she says, please. So I gave her a hug, and then I stepped back. I said, Jamie, you have to make one big promise to me. What's that? If you ever are in that situation where you do not have food at your house, you make sure you let me know, because I am not going to be feeding half this community and having my staff go home hungry. And we've kept that promise with every one of our staff members, including the husband and wife team that have 10 kids and three grandkids. We cannot do it without the power of the Holy Spirit. I see things nobody should see, and I can only get up and do it again the next day because the Spirit of God is with me. But I can't do it without the support of churches like you. We are doing God's work with our hands in Pine Ridge.
give you a little teaser. There's some big news coming down from ELCA shortly. They are going to step in and try to help make a difference too. When you, when you support the World Hunger Appeal, some of that money comes back to Pine Ridge. And it helps us feed God's children. 